Bienvenidos and welcome to the Platform Latino podcast where we profile, highlight, and bring to the airwaves the successes of our community and those helping us to get us there. I'm your host, Osvaldo Valdez, and I'd like to thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Hi guys, sorry for the long delay, but uh, I welcome you back and I'm really excited about all our new um, guests that we're going to be having on with the Platform Latino podcast. And today we have a wonderful, wonderful speaker and uh, an amazing guest that I'm so excited to to interview and have you guys here. Um, we have Melissa Ruiz. She's um, a motivational speaker, a coach, former college advisor, student affairs, pageant contestant, uh, runner-up, dancer, trainer extraordinaire, and um, we're going to go into a little bit about her show-and-tell course that she has that I recently just completed, and I was like, I got to have you on the podcast and, you know, to talk and share your story. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Melissa. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having this podcast, right? First step. Um, I think it's a it's an awesome addition to the platform to podcasts in general. So keep keep pushing, keep rocking it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, I usually like to like take a few minutes at, at the beginning of the podcast to just kind of hear your background story, where you're from, um, where you grew up, your 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 ethnicity, nationality, what you rep, um, and just um, a little background story, just to kind of call like see a relationship with um, my listeners with you. Yeah, you got it. Um, I was born in a teeny tiny town called West Deptford, New Jersey. Uh, There's about four people there, a very small town. Uh, Both of my parents actually were born in Puerto Rico. Um, So my brother and I were the first generation uh, born in the States. and so my my parents' story is hilarious. Um, they were bowling uh, enemies. They were on different bowling teams on their bowling league. Yeah. And so they knew each other. They knew of each other, but it was just through bowling. And, you know, years passed. They did their own thing. They dated their whatever. They lived their lives. And bowling brought them back together. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> I went, I would ask my parents, I'm like, what's the story? Like, y'all are, this is weird. Um, and they were like, bowling. <laughs> That's it. That's the only word. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but I have an older brother. We're born on the same day. He is 12 years older than me. Um, June 27th. Yup. Um, best day of the year. And um, yeah, it was interesting because he was so much older than me. It was, it was like being an only child. When he went to college, I went to first grade. Uh, so there are those moments where I was like, yeah, I have an older brother. I was like, wait, he doesn't live here because he's older. Um, so it was it was interesting kind of growing up. And, and he would be the one that would teach me how to wrestle because he's like, my, my baby sister's going to know how to wrestle. Um, and to this day, he calls me his baby sister. And like, um, we're a little old. He's like, you're always, you're always, you're always my baby sister in my eyes. So I was like, well, you're sweet. Um, the older sibling always has that, that thing. Cause like my, my brother's five years younger than me, but even like when I cross the street, I go grab like hold his hand and my brother, yeah. I'm, I'm five, eight and my brother's like six, one. So it looks really funny. And he always pulls his hand away. He's like, Ozzy, I'm 28 years old. I'm like, okay, I can cross the street by myself. 
be like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Look both ways. Yeah. Um, so when I was born, though, I was born with my kneecaps on the insides of my legs. And uh, as it's a very rare birth defect, um, relatively simple to fix. They pop it back in. And then if your legs are strong enough, um, you should be fine. Um, the doctor had recommended for my legs to develop as best they can while I was learning how to walk, uh, either dance or soccer. And so when I was old enough, um, I had uh, spent the first two years that I learned how to walk with leg braces, like Forrest Gump style. And uh, I was crushing, walking, I was doing really good. And the doctor was like, okay, dance or soccer. So my mom takes me to a soccer practice and the girls are out in the field, they're in their uniforms, they're running, they're going back and forth, they're cheering, they're having a great time. And I look up at my mom and I was like, um, they are sweaty and they are dirty. So she bought me a tutu. I started ballet the next week. <laughs> um, and, and that was kind of my, my first intro to dance. Um, at first it was for my mom, it was, okay, this is how I keep my daughter's legs strong and her knees, you know, so they don't collapse in on each other and the kneecaps don't pop in. Um, but for me, I was like, this is amazing. I'm on stage. There's costumes. I get to wear lipstick because, you know, strong Puerto Rican single mom at the time, um, you're not wearing makeup. You're not allowed to do this. There's so many rules. And so being on stage was, was my chance to, dress up and be somebody else. Um, and that, that lasted until this very day. <laughs> I love being on stage. Um, but at the time I was petrified of being on stage by myself. Couldn't do it, wouldn't do it. Couldn't pay me a gajillion dollars to get on stage alone. If, was, if I had my dance group with me, um, I was like, happy, let's do this. And they were like, don't you wanna do a solo in the dance competition? I, I sure don't. Don't you wanna compete in a pageant? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was just this, this stage fright that ugh, it, it couldn't shake it. Um, when I was 16 years old, I was asked to do a solo in the Christmas concert, um, Oh Holy Night. I don't, I blacked out. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point people just started just chiming in and singing with me because they were like, she's really nervous. Let's just, let's just move this <laughs> along, y'all. But I, I honestly have no recollection of actually singing. Like that's how bad stage fright oh, was wow. for me. Um, but it, there was just something about singing in stage fright. Nope. Right now, I won't. If you tell me to sing, I'll be like, that's cute. And you, you sing. Um, <laughs> oh, but so like, you're not going to do a, a little like song at the end? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but on the dance side, that's where I picked up some of my confidence. It's like, okay, I, I know this dance routine. Sometimes I'm in the front line. And, you know, as a kid, you're growing up, you're like, how do I, how do I make the connection? Mm -hmm. And so when I did my first pageant, I was on stage by myself. And, and it helps when you win. <laughs> your first thing that you do alone. I think it helps winning because uh, I won. And I, I realized that that was something that I could, I could kind of leverage is like, I can get up on stage by myself. It's, it's dancing and speaking that I feel confident. It's not singing. And I, I'm not trying to be, you know, a famous singer. Um, mm -hmm. So we could check that. We could just move that goal off to the side and I never have to sing on stage by myself. And so performance was a big part of, of my life, dance competitions, theater during the summer, um, the school show. Uh, I was, you know, I was trying to just be on stage as, as much as possible. 
Um, and when it came to college, I thought I was gonna go to school for dance. Uh, I thought that was gonna be my path until my mom said, if you major in dance, I will not pay for college. So I declared psychology as my major. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I had heard all these stories about you get out of college and you're in $100,000 debt. And I was like, that's a lot of zeros. <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, I majored in psychology. I graduated in three years, which means I graduated with my master's in 2009 at the height of the recession. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> it was a fabulous time. Yeah. I went to college around the same time and it was just like 2009, 2010. I'm like, oh, great. A recession. Yeah. Jobs. Now there's people with 10 years of experience that are looking for the same jobs. So. Yeah. Super cool. Super. This is great, y'all. This is great. <laughs> So needless to say, I was a bartender and a server for a long time <laughs> with my master's degree. I felt like, woo. Um, but it, yeah, it, 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 is, it is what it is. But along the lines, I also worked in higher education. Um, when I was in undergrad, I was an RA, a resident assistant for new mm. students coming onto campus. And when I was in grad school, I was a, a hall director and decided to stick with student affairs, um, worked in residence life for a few more years until I moved off campus and I started a new job working in leadership and development. So more student government, um, orientation leaders, uh, more so the, the off, the students that can commute back and forth working and serving in, in those capacities. And then in 2015, I decided to leave higher ed behind. I became a professional public speaker. Um, I was always the, the staff member that they would ask to train the student leaders. Mm. So we have to do a training about blah, blah, blah. Who's going to do it? And it would, it would usually go something like this. I'll have plan it, but not the act. I was like, I will, of course, my hand always went up with who yeah. actually wants to teach it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, and everybody else was like, yeah, I'll help plan it. Let's talk about this, this, and this. So just kind of being that person that would train mm -hmm. the student leaders. How can we make this fun? Let's not have another program where somebody's talking at you at the front. We're going to talk about Disney clips and how they apply to leadership. And um, so just trying to find some, some creative ways to tap into how folks were learning um, in college. Definitely. And, and, and the, the reason you didn't go into social work was because of the recession and you just always liked student life or yeah, I continue your college. I think, <laughs> I think I tried, um, but it was, it was tough. So I, with my master's, I had done some of my field, the internship portion of it um, in nursing homes, particularly in the Alzheimer's units. Um, my grandmother passed away of Alzheimer's my freshman year of college. And that kind of just shifted a lot in my head about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to save the world in my own little way. I thought it was going to be in a state planning, go to law school, help older adults transition in their, in their aging process. Um, minorities are more apt to get Alzheimer's and dementia type uh, uh, diseases as they get older. So I thought that was my way to, to give back and to serve. And I just remember being in nursing homes and hospitals with my grandmother. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I can do this yeah. forever. Yeah, my, my, my grandma's going through dementia now. She's 92 years old, so she's up there in age, but it's so sad, like, her asking the same question over and over again and just doesn't remember, and just, like, sometimes she doesn't know, even know where she is. It's, it's really yeah. hard to 
like I want to remember the the old like view of my grandmother but at the same time you want to spend time while she's still here so like I could never picture working and see like in that kind of everyday life you know you meet people you help them and then you know they they move yeah. on in the in the internship I remember it was it was just six months it wasn't a long time but I would go in and every day I knew I was getting the same story from three of them we would just be mm. doing puzzles but it was beautiful that to see their faces light up and be in that moment a hundred percent like they weren't with me they were reliving the story that they were telling me and that was beautiful but then 10 minutes later when they had to go up to the bathroom and they literally couldn't remember how to do it, it then i'm like ah oh, gosh you know and so it i just i couldn't imagine doing that day in day out eight hours a day hospice i, I just oh mm -mm. Um, and I knew I had another set of skills uh, in higher education. And luckily, I was able to have that extracurricular piece, um, being an RA, being a leader on campus, those extracurricular, very transferable skills, I think, combined with my degree is, is how I've been able to, over, over the course of my career, try different things. And I think for some, we get stuck. When I grew up, I'm going to be a whatever. And they grow up and they're that thing and they feel like they have to stick with it till they retire. Whereas my mentality is like, I'm bored. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to talk to you a little bit because it seems like you, you've changed a little bit like along the way. You know, a, a lot of there's there's a lot of transferable skills from one career to the next, even if they're like totally drastic from like accounting to art or something. You know, there's some skills you can you can that overlap. But yeah, that's like, I love that you said that, you know, when, when you major in something in college, you, you, a lot of people take it as their death sentence and that's what they have to do for their, for the, till their dying day yeah. or till they retire when they're 70, who knows how long old now. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, so, so you, you've changed from like, okay, let's say social work to student life. What, I'm, I'm just curious, like what's one skill, like, well, I guess the, the one skill you've kind of mentioned is your public speaking and leadership that you've transferred but what's like one what's one skill that like has surprised you that's come up recently you're like oh shit i learned this when i was an ra back in at Rutgers. ah i i think well at the bottom of all of it i think i'm i'm a helper right mm -hmm. it's 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 this like how can i help what can i do mm -hmm. um but i it's maybe the surprising skill is 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 in the how is I'm asking, how can I help? And in my head, I'm already thinking about the three or four ways that I can suggest that I can help. I'm going to go with whatever you end up selecting. But I, I, I think the, the outside of the box piece is where I've been able to tap into over the past few years. Um, here's a master's degree. There's a recession. Okay, what am I going to do instead? Um, uh, our school is restructuring and we, we don't have enough money to pay you anymore. So you don't have a job here anymore. Okay, what do I do? I went and got certified to be a personal trainer. Um, uh, Hurricane Sandy hit. You have to stay on campus and watch the students because we have no staff and I had the flu at the time, right? So you adjust. It's these, mm -hmm. it's these little shifts and, and, and adjustments that all you just kind of put in your back pocket and you're like, okay, there's, I'm gonna save that creativity 
because that's, that's a skill that I can lean into. It's a, it's, it's like a muscle, right? If you work it, it gets stronger. Um, and there it's, it's almost like Tetris in your brain of like, okay, if I shift this way, then that happens. And if I shift this way, then that happens. You're like, well, if I shift that way, I'm probably going to break in half, but let's give it a go. Um, and I think it's an interesting analogy for life. You know, if, if you can make a shift and still find joy, um, or if you make a shift and you're really frustrated, you realize what you don't like, and then you don't make that choice anymore. So I, I think if, you know, my, my mom looks at me all the time and she's just like, what do you do? What? I don't get it. And I think that generation, it's, it's that same thought process. Cause you, you go to a good college, you get a degree, you get a good job. Mm-hmm. That's it. You did it. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, our generation and especially the, the kids in college now, it's like, I'm, I might be a psychology major and I might give it a go. But on average, studies have shown we're in our careers um, anywhere from four to five years at a time. And we'll do a little shift and we might be into a new field. Um, I, th- I think we probably keep anywhere from 50 to 80 percent of those same skill sets. Um, but we just adapt. How can I use this in a different field? Like you said, from accounting to art. Um, and I think that's where, where we find that little bit of a twist. And it's, it's funny to see more and more young Spanish or minority, we just say BIPOC folk being like, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I got a degree in it, but I'm going to go you know, do this thing. I'm going to move to Europe for a year and a half and, and live life. And I, I think it's breaking away from some of the more traditional viewpoints of, of a minority household. Um, I know my mom was strict. And so that just kind of filters over into some of my self-talk sometimes of like, yeah. should I do this? Am I allowed to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when you, you make that jump, like the first time you do it, it's like very scary, but then it's also liberating Cause like once, like uh, I was talking to a friend this past weekend and I had one job in the past that I like, it was horrible, micromanager, whatever. And I ended up quitting the job and, you know, without a job to, to go back to, you know, then it's like kind of like how we were saying that, okay, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to pay student loans? How am I going to pay my bills? And, you know, it's, of course, it's not for like the faint of heart, but, and it's not ever easy, but you know, we are survivors and, you know, that we have different things. So <laughs> you, you figure it out along the way. But then once you, you have it, you always know that you can make it happen and survive. And, you know, you, you use them, you know, I'm sure everybody gets tired and everything. But you do have, um, we have our minds, you know, that that's what mm-hmm. nobody can ever take away from that our knowledge or experience. But it does like I, I, I had the same thing with my parents are like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing like, <laughs> And they don't get it. And it's, yeah. and it's, they don't need to, we don't have to explain it to them mm-hmm. as long as they know that we're okay. And, and I, I found that a lot of times, especially with my parents, but especially in res life, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do for a living? You, you babysit college kids? Yeah. Yeah, ma. Yeah. That's what I do. That's exactly sure. And, and so you keep it at the lowest common denominator. So it makes sense. And then, you know, I shifted to public speaking. What do you do? You travel and you just talk at people. Yep. Yep. That's what I do. (laughs) And so you just keep it simple and and you just, you keep, you keep working for it. You know, I I never want to be in a place where I look back and I'm like, Oh, I should have done that. Or Mm. wouldn't have that been, but that would have been cool if I had tried. Um, And I'm definitely getting to an age where you're going to have less years to try. And so let's go mess up a little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As long as your your life's not in danger, then I think it's, it's a safe bet just to, to make the jump and, you know, take the, take the chance. Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, I was reading a little bit about your background, and I see, like, one of the things I, I saw come up a lot was, like, connection, culture of connection, human connection. Um, like, I, w I wanted to know, like, what's your, like, what have you learned about connection, especially in times like this where we're, like, lacking connection <laughs> just because we don't know what's out there? What like, do you mean? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in a cave the last uh, <laughs> six, seven months. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just like what, like, I, I've always had this in, in my, my life. Like, I've always made friends or talked, but not been afraid to talk to a stranger and make that connection. And some of my friends always make fun of me. They're like, you run into people you know all the time. Or how'd you talk to that person at the bar? Like, they're <laughs> like, just, just freely, you know, not expecting anything, but just making that conversation. And I'd just love to hear your mindset on that. Like from, you know, you, you have a very varied history, you know, so you, with the res life, you met all these college students that went on their own path. And then, you know, your development, like um, leadership and development and public speaking, I'm sure you met thousands of people there. So what, what's, what are your like three things or key factors that you, you love about connection or find value or how to utilize that social capital? I, I'd love to hear your Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so funny that where, where we find ourselves in our work, mm -hmm. it, it's all on a theme, right? Um, so when I started my work with uh, the company Swiftkick as a public speaker, that was, that was our thing, culture of connection. How do we get college students to think outside of, of the classroom, right? It's how do we get them to stop being a car to class, class to class, class back to car student. And they show up to campus, they join a club, they join an organization, they get connected on that campus. Um, and that was, but you can take that anywhere. You can take mm -hmm. that to, you move to New York City. How do I get that person to feel like they can leave their apartment and not just go to work and then come home? They, they have somewhere to go, whether it be a happy hour, a gym, um, something that ties them into their space. Um, and I love the idea of having your third space, right? We have home and work, usually, mm -hmm. non-COVID world. <laughs> we have, we have <laughs> home and work. <laughs> and then the, we have a third space. It can be a coffee shop. It can be the gym that we go to. It could be Central Park where we find our walks. But we, we tend to have these three spaces where we recharge ourselves. We get more energy from, because we do the work at the work one, we do the home stuff at the home stuff, and we get to relax and recharge at the third. And through COVID, all three of them have become one. And so the connection piece is huge because we kept calling it social distancing. It was just physical distancing. The social piece didn't end because you're on my screen here. We're being social. We're going to chit chat. We're going to talk. And so I think the, the concept for some folks, it was just straight up. I can't talk to anybody. I can't see anybody. I can't do it. And, and that just our brains thinking that and telling our body that we are physiologically responding to lack of social connection. And our, our brains are smart. Our brains are smart and they're lazy at the same time. So if our brain is told you can't see anybody, touch anybody, then we're already kind of going into this, oh no, this is, this is bad, right? We're, our, our brains shift into this negative headspace. But when we see the opportunity and the inconvenience, our brain shifts again. 
oh, now I get to get creative. How can I think outside of the box? Maybe it's Zoom dates, maybe it's happy hours. And we've been on plenty of Zoom happy hours, you know, for the past six <laughs> months. So there is that overload as well. Um, but I, I think it's, it's just, it's a, it's a mindset shift first and foremost, um, which is why in show and tell, you know this, we start with confidence. We start with where your brain is. Because if your mind's not right, you can't get on stage and talk about anything. You can't get on a podcast and have people ask questions about your deep, dark secrets. You can't go on a first date. <laughs> if your mind's a mess, right? It's, it's, everything's just going to be like blah, 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 garbled out. Um, and so when it comes to connection, I, I see it in three different categories. How do you connect to yourself? Do you have a morning routine? Are you waking up and you, you have a movement? Are you journaling? Are you going for a walk? Are you taking three big, deep breaths? How can you connect to yourself so that you put your best self forward as you begin your day? And then how do you connect to others? And I, uh, by others, I mean your immediate folks, uh, your friends, your family, your partner, uh, if you live with folks, your roommates, um, if you live alone, who are the three people you're going to connect with that day? And by connect, I don't mean, hey, how are you on a text? I mean a voice message. I went through this today and then this happened. And I went to the grocery store and like, what did you do? Right? Actual connection. Mm. Um, and then the third piece is how you connect to the world. Are you active? And I think that's happened in the past couple of months too, where people are more active politically. Um, they're stepping up, they're, they're speaking out. Even if it's just sharing a meme on Instagram, they're finding a place where they feel they can learn and grow and share. And I think when you are connected in those three ways, truly connected, um, then you as an as, as a individual can just produce better for yourself, for your loved ones and for the world. Um, Connection is, is multifaceted, um, it's relative, and I am of the opinion if it is lacking in one area, it's probably lacking in the others as well. If you are not civically engaged, if you're not donating your time, energy, resources, money, um, you're probably not giving it to yourself individually. So if we start with the self, if you start with the morning routine, if you start with how you take care of yourself and gradually expand, I think... Then it, and then it becomes something that you do every day. It becomes this holistic experience that you can participate in. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I, I lacked some other things. And I, I was never the person that would, like, call people on the phone. I'm like, oh, I'll just go hang out with you. But during this uh, pandemic, we had to shift gears and really yeah. take it. Take it we started writing letters again. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, hey, I got a Dear pen pal. <laughs> postcard. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm bored out of my mind. Here's a wish you were six feet away. <laughs> Send. What What's the one thing that like when the, you know, the vaccine or a cure or it's eradicated or whatever the outcome is, like, what's the first thing you want to do? I want to see a Broadway show. Oh, okay. That was, that was, uh, that was my, my boyfriend and I, that was our thing. Mm. What are we, what's our, what's date night going to be? It's going to be dinner and a show. We're going to dinner at Glasshouse Tavern. Like we just knew what kind of a show is it going to be a musical? Is it going to be a play? Is it going to be funny? Is it, and like that, that's our, oh, and so okay. I just want the theater to come back to New York city, come back theater, come back. <laughs> that's actually on my like New York bucket list. I never was able to go like the two years I've lived here. And then this year is going to kind of, <laughs> yeah. 2020 was like, ha ha. You thought you were going to a play this year. That's funny. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, I also saw something like you said, success coaches you used to coach them. 
Like yes. I, I've seen a lot of things online. I just, this is just more like a personal question. Like I'm a success coach. I'm a life coach. Like how, one, how do you define it if you've coached them before? And then how can you tell uh, my question in, in your opinion, how do you assess if they're legit or not? Like, Gotcha. Well, so the success coach, when I was at um, LAU Brooklyn, that was their, that was the job title is success coach. Mm -hmm. And so what that meant is anytime a student had an issue um, from their resume to how to register for classes, they would come to us and we would try our best to, to help them be as successful as possible. So, but it was a little bit of like therapist and life coach and career counselor and like academic advisor and mom, but like best friend, kind of a mom, all smushed into one role. And so again, that's another role where you pull out a lot of transferable skills because some of these students will come in and they don't need anything, but they won't go away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, did you want to work on your resume? No, I'm good. Okay. Do you want to watch a movie? Like, and they was because they just they came for the connection, and I think that is where a lot of folks go wrong with coaching. They jump right into, okay, how can I fix you? And I, and I'm just like, wait, don't you want to know like my middle name first? Like, buy me a drink first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so with any coaching, and I took this approach when I was working with students. It was like, hey, rather than meet, um, we can lock your book bag in my office. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. Let's talk. Um, where did you grow up? What do you want to major in? Um, and, and you can have that conversation first before you just jump in and you're like, okay, take this class. These are the credits. Here's how I financial aid. And I, I try my best to bring that into my coaching work now is, mm-hmm. all right, you want to tell this story. And this is an example that's popping into my head just based off of a conversation that I've had recently. Um, you're uh, talking about something pretty heavy. Uh, Mental Health Awareness Week is, is is this week. And so before I dig into why mental health, why, why eating disorders, why this story about uh, someone taking their own life, why, before we even get to that, where were you born? <laughs> what was it like growing up? What's your favorite food, right? We get to the person so that there's a little bit of confidence. These are all questions you know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And you can deliver that answer. You'd be like, I love me some pizza. Pepperoni? Yes, please. And now, you know, you see their personality come out, whereas you skip all that. You don't get any of that if you jump in and you're like, so you want to tell the story about eating disorders. Did you have an eating disorder? Now they're on the defense. Now they're on guard. Um, and so my social work skills get it chime in when it comes to coaching in any of those capacities is it's a human first there's a human underneath that there's a story to tell sure um but there's there's just there's a human that's, that's just a good skill like to have in general if you're meeting somebody new whether it's dating you just have, making new friends whatever like hi my name is ozzy what's your name like oh let's find a common you know denominator that we have we share in common and then move on from there it's not you're not going to go up to to random people and be like so do you, why did you order the this or like you know you kind of like yeah. as like real like penetrating questions before they, they they're like who are you like yeah you wouldn't do it in real life so don't do it if you're a coach if you want to be a coach you'll you'll get to the heavy stuff but the more rapport you're able to build and the more people trust you um yeah, and, and it has to start with the the smaller questions first before you you get to that piece yeah, because I've had that in dating as well. Like the girls just out the bat, like deep, deep questions, like trying to peel my shell. I'm like, 
look like uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm pretty open, but you gotta <laughs> buy me a drink first. War- warm up, yeah. <laughs> the second Zoom date call or whatever <laughs> nowadays. But <laughs> all right, so like I I love like your 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 path. You know, you you went from you know coaching college students to public speaking to advising, and then even like leading a leadership like um, coaching. How did that all get to teaching public speaking and then starting your show and tell? And oh man! Start like and just I I just finished the show and tell. I think it was like a week or two ago, yeah. and it was an amazing experience. Melissa's a great thing, and you know I wouldn't have her on if I didn't believe in her. You know she warmed us up, broke down our barriers, nice and friendly, and then you know really let us bloom and you know brought us out into the sun so we can you know really share our stories. So and <laughs> can't make me cry before I answer a question um and I yeah and thank you for taking a risk um on a process like that it's it's definitely different uh a lot of coaching programs out there it's like coach to start a business coach to do a thing and this thing is uh it looks different in COVID um public speaking is talking into a green dot on the screen and I so I, I to go back to your question I think when folks think of success or progress, they think of it like a straight line, right? It's like this diagonal line. I start here, I work hard, I get a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. It's this diagonal line of of success. And it's not, uh, it's maybe I get a little up and then I backtrack and then like I nap for six months and then I circle. It's messy in the middle. I go up and down and zigzag and and sometimes you have to start over. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to say that 10 years ago, I had an idea and then I worked hard and here it is. I would love to be able to say that. And real life lets us know that that is not the case. Um, 10 years ago, I had a little idea that I would be a pageant coach. I had just placed first runner up to Miss New Jersey and I was no longer eligible based on my age to compete again. And I was like, well, what do I do now? How can I help other young women? In particular, I had uh, wanted to work. So I was like, how do we get more black, Hispanic, Asian women competing in pageants? And again, 10 years ago, we didn't have the language uh, that we do now. And we didn't have uh, just the, the openness to talk about this. I was the first, uh, first runner up in 2010 to Miss New Jersey. And prior to there hadn't been a minority woman crowned Miss New Jersey for like almost 20 years, something like that. Since then, um, we've made a little bit of progress. There's been one. Um, but that's what, that was my idea. 10 years ago, I'm going to help minority women ace the interview, win Miss New Jersey, go to Miss America. That was, that was the thing in my head. And then I did very little about it. (laughs) It was the idea. I didn't go to business school. I don't know how to start a business. I don't know how to tell people that I'm going to do a thing. And then you kind of talk about it. It's idea. That's a great idea. And then you get a full-time job and, and, and life happens. Um, so again, so here's my little trajectory. I have an idea. Life, 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 life. Little kid with a snow globe. Shake, 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 shake. Um, and then last summer, I was just kind of sitting there of like, this was an idea 10 years ago. You've had the name in your head for years and years and years. Come on, just like hire a coach, learn the things that you don't know how to do. 
so that you can make this happen. Hired a coach. Ready. All right. Pageant season's coming up. Let's go. Let's launch. Dear world, my name is COVID and I need you to all crawl under a rock. And so I invested money in a coach. I invested money in, I was going to launch this pageant coaching program and COVID said, hold my beer. And so I, I pivoted. I was like, all right, if the thing, the niche, right, is young women competing in pageants, specifically uh, Black, Indigenous, women of color, Mm -hmm. then if I were to pivot, who else can I help? Who else can I serve? And when you zoom out, interviewing is public speaking. And so I was like, I know how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing that for five years, professionally, and even then longer before that. And so I, I realized that if you zoom out, it's not just this little pocket of people you can help. There's a lot more that turning on Zoom gives them anxiety. Take it away, Melissa, and gives them anxiety. And so taking those skills and what I had learned in social work and pageants and being on stage and having one-on-one interviews, how can I put that all together uh, to, to serve? And that's kind of where it all comes together. Again, it is not, I had an idea and I made it happen. It's I had an idea and then I did nothing about it. And then I started over and then I did a little bit and then I started over and then the idea ended up being something that I didn't plan to begin with. Um, so <laughs> success is funny like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, it's, there's it's never a prescribed path. You do this and then this will happen. And then no. <laughs> no, never, especially in 2020. It's yeah. <laughs> That was a whole, the whole globe being put in a snow globe. <laughs> yeah, the whole world. And then the fires, which is, it happens every year. But in a year like this, you almost think, hey, Mother Nature, can you just hold one second? <laughs> we're, we're, we're working over here. Count to a million and then do that again. And then we'll talk. Like, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to, to take yeah, in. I, I saw, I think, a New York Post article, like at the headline, and I read the articles, like, People need a break from global dis- disasters or like just kind of like, you know, we had the, the killer murder hornets and like. Well, even they, even though the, the murder hornets were like, oh, you all are busy. We'll come back next year. Yeah. Like... I feel like because like, it was articles and, and like news stuff everywhere. And then all of a sudden, like nothing. And I was like, they knew they knew we couldn't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> They were going to hide. Backs away slowly, like, okay, you all got this. <laughs> but definitely, and I think they, like, with public speaking in general, I think I've heard stories or, you know, whatever they say, the ranking that people are more scared of public speaking than death. Like, I think it ranks, like, number five. <laughs> but listen, if you ask them if they'd rather be in the casket or give the eulogy, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, but Elsa, so then you grew into show and tell and you, you opened it up. We were all beautiful people. So it was kind of like a beauty pageant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, so didn't, we didn't learn how to walk or talk or answer. Our, our I'll way. put it in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was definitely um, a great experience learning and, and kind of like delving into yourself and getting out of your comfort zone, which is probably my whole life. Um, yeah. Like, what are your goals for like, let's, let's zoom out and see that, that, that success um, projection with show and tell. Do you want it to like next year, this time, where would you like to see show and tell? Oh, shoot. Um, I'm actually kind of strategically planning all of that right now. Um, So this next iteration uh, is an eight week course. Awesome. And so eight weeks at the end of it, there will be a virtual summit. Uh, It'll obviously be 
on Zoom, unfortunately. Um, but in that space, folks will be able to show off what they've been working on for the past eight weeks. Um, I'll be inviting alumni, so don't you worry, boo. You'll be able to, to practice again and come on through. Um, but in the hopes that at the end of eight weeks, they will have gained confidence, um, figured out the content that they want to share, put a story together. There's a beginning, a middle, an end. Um, and it is truly all them shining on stage. And from what I saw in our, our 30 days together, and what that group was able to accomplish. You all were just crushing it. And, and it, it's not like I had to stand up there and say, this is a story. Once upon a time, blah, blah, blah. You all knew what you wanted to, to share. And I think, you know, you, you kind of start a little bit of a, ahead of the game when you, you have an idea of, of what constitutes a story. And so uh, I really want to be able to bring that out in folks in, in eight weeks is you, you say, oh, I don't have a story to tell. Yeah, you do. And I'm going to ask you a million questions to figure out which, which one um, you should work on for eight weeks. Um, and so that's, that's the goal this time around is to, to hand out a Zoom link and be like, hey, friends and family, I invested in myself. I spent eight weeks and I want you to hear what this story. And it, it could be the first time you've ever told someone this, um, or it can just be the same story that you've been perfecting o mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. Um, some folks that are, are thinking about joining in on, on show and tell are wannabe professional speakers, all the way down to social anxiety, and I just need to get comfortable speaking. And that's, that's what I love about this particular program. I know there's coaches out there that I'm going to prepare you for a TEDx talk, or I'm going to prepare you to be able to charge $10,000 on your next talk. I'm not that coach. Mm -hmm. I'm your cheerleader. I'm, I'm going to say, oh, that's in a weird order. Um, uh, or uh, you, you cried at that point and then we, it was hard to hear you. Are you sure you're ready to tell this story? Right. That's, that's the, the kind of coach that I, I am and that I want to be. Um, and then beyond the eight week version, um, I'd love to have this program in a place where um, it is a full 12 weeks. So we're spending a, even more time um, and then an in-person summit. So the in-person piece is where we would need a few extra days to, to rehearse because um, body language is a little different when we're in person versus on a screen because you're trying to stay in your box. Um, whereas if you have like a black box theater, you, know, you have some, some space to walk around. So a year from now, I would love to have a, a big in-person summit where we come up, we share our stories, maybe have a Q&A at the end, maybe they're by theme. I don't know. My brain's going a couple different directions there, but you know, it, not TEDx per se, sure. If you have a lesson or a, uh, something that you want to teach us, awesome. But if you want to tell us why your favorite movie is, I don't know, Beetlejuice, because that's my favorite movie. Uh, if it's a story of why that's your favorite movie, then, then, then that's going to be your, your chance to shine. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely suggest anybody like to, to look up Melissa. We'll, we'll put her, her link in the, in the bio and, and everything for the information so you can find it. So I think next week or the, the following week or so you'll have the next eight week course, but then following that you should definitely follow her. And she, she's always active on Instagram giving, you know, little tidbits of, of advice. So even just following her, you know, is, is a, is a benefit to your, your public speaking persona or however you want to 
piece it together. But I, I like to close the the podcast with just like I guess I call it lightning rounds, but it's usually like more like general and just some some random questions. The first one I I, I know you've been on a TEDx. Yes. Like what was that experience? And then um after like how like did your did it change? I know when my friend got into med school, like at the bar, he was like, I'm a doctor. Like <laughs> it just brought so much confidence with them. But I just want to know like your experience, like do, do people look at you differently you expect or like what your experience with and after? I, I didn't feel any different for me. It was, it, yes, the name TEDx. Woo. Mm. That's exciting. Um, but it wasn't like, somebody put, you know, I wasn't crowned anything or I wasn't like, here's your hood as a doctor. Um, it is kind of cool to be able to put it in your bio though. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, I, I, that's probably one of the most nervous I have ever been for a talk. I, I think it, it was like, I practiced too much and then I practiced not enough. And then I was like, did I practice? Mm -hmm. uh, it was one <laughs> of those, you just put a lot of pressure on yourself, but I loved the experience. It was, it was a chance for me to share my story. And uh, this particular talk, um, there were a lot of like 15 and 16 year old young women in the audience. And I don't have the best relationship with my mother. So that was my story about how my friends became my secondary family, especially living in New York City. And so many of these young women are like, I feel that sometimes with my mom, but I still want her to be in my life. And like, I'm sorry you went through that, but now I, I'm going to try and talk to my mom more and, and, and thank you. And so just kind of hearing moments like that, like I wish I had seen somebody on stage with curly hair and a big booty talking about how her bad relationship with her mom. And I could relate to that. And I didn't have that as a 15 year old, a 16 year old. So to be able to, to be that voice um, for young minority women or just young women in general, bring it on. This is just a general one. Like, what's your favorite Broadway show and why? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just one? Oh, man. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, um, like ever? In the last five years. Oh, oh. I don't know, ever. Whichever is easier to answer. Oh, man. All right. The last five years, I, I feel like Hamilton's kind of a giveaway. Okay. It's just, okay, so, all right. So, Hamilton is just great. Um, I will go to, it actually, it didn't get a chance to be on Broadway for very long. It closed at the beginning of COVID and it was called Six. And it talks about the six wives of Henry VIII. Mm -hmm. And it is like concert American Idol style of these women's stories. Um, and it, it goes by so fast, there's no intermission, but it, it's almost like you're at a concert, but you're getting a little history lesson too. So um, if, even the soundtrack, go listen to the soundtrack. You're gonna laugh, you're gonna learn, um, and you're gonna walk away with a little step, little sass in your step. So that's a good one. But then ever, Rent. Rent, okay. Yeah, Rent would be number one. Like you just turn it on the soundtrack. I'm still not gonna sing, um, but you just know the first, <laughs> <laughs> the first chord and you're like, and here I am for the next two hours, singing and crying along to the soundtrack. Gotcha, gotcha. You sure no song, nothing? <laughs> Hamilton, my shot, I can kind of like... <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the last question is like, what's your mantra that keeps your, keeps your beat going? Like, what do you repeat to yourself that like is your, your drum beat? I, I have a few because, you know, I get bored. Um... The first one is don't let your mouth get you into something you can't get your ass out of. That's a good one. Think before you speak. Um, I'm better at that as I've gotten older. 
I'm like, oh, no, 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 I got this. Um, and, uh, and then the second is actually the, a topic of one of the talks that I, I talked to uh, college students about. It's like, why not? People are always thinking, oh, I can't, oh, why me? Why this? Why that? And I'm like, why not? Why not you? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can try it, you can mess it up, and then you can start over. Um, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to make it good, make it perfect the first time around, and then we never do it. And that's why it was an idea in my head for 10 years. Um, but when you just say, why not? And you go out and do it, then, then you, you're, you're testing your brain a little bit, your willpower, your follow through, your perseverance, your grit. Um, if you just kind of say, why not? And I will say the why not is a <laughs> watered down version of what it used to be. Um, when I was competing in pageants, there was one of the producers who also competed um, and was first run up to Miss New Jersey prior to, to, uh, to me. And she was one of the producers and she'd be backstage like getting us all ready. And it was before swimsuit in particular. And she would give us this pep talk and right at the end, she would just say, F it. And then push us out on stage. <laughs> so you're in a swimsuit and high heels. You can't do another crunch. There's no time. F it. Get out on stage. So I have watered that down and I say, why not? <laughs> why do they make you go in a swimsuit and high heels? Like, you know, they very were rare an funny. occasion that you'll, you'll ever have to. They were real funny in the 1920s because that's how the Miss America pageant started. It was a swimsuit competition. We have evolved. The swimsuit competition is no longer part of the Miss America competition now. Um, they took out swimsuit and evening wear. So now it is truly about uh, a young woman's ability to speak. Uh, there's, she gives like a little mini TEDx talk in the middle of it. Um, it is her talent. So um, they're, they've shifted uh, the, the judging criteria. We've evolved. <laughs> which, which we all do. And we all hopefully evolve to the better most of the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> but thank you so much, Melissa. And um, I can't wait to um, finish and wrap up this, this podcast and share it with the world. And definitely. And I think we're going to hop on a live just to give a little blurb on the on yeah. IG. But um, thank you. And how do people follow you and how do they get in contact? On Instagram, you can head to at melissa.a.ruiz. Uh, and then you can also check out themelissaruiz.com. Um, and that you can send me emails through the site. Um, but yeah. Definitely follow her and, you know, hear her journey. And if you can, you know, sign up for her course. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. You rock. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, hit subscribe and of course follow us on IG, Facebook, and all other social media platforms at Platform Latino. That's P-L-A-T-F-O-R-M-L-A-T-I-N-O. Thanks again and have a wonderful and inspired day. Mm-hmm.